Hello, I'm Danny Aiken, president of Southeastern Seminary. This podcast is a variety of audio resources from around Southeastern. To learn more about Southeastern, visit scbts.edu. Well, good morning, and let me extend my uh, welcome to you as well as my congratulations to these graduates for the incredible accomplishment uh, that they have achieved. I love every graduation because there's so many smiles and such joy and happiness, but I think the Christmas graduations in particular uh, are special because we celebrate not just a graduation, but we also celebrate God's greatest gift, that being the gift of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I think about a graduation at Christmas time, I always try to think of a particular text that will uh, provide an appropriate challenge to these graduates as they go. Uh, but also that uh, recognizes and honors the theme of this particular time of the year. And so our text this morning is a single verse found in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. And the title of this commencement address is The Grace of Going, The Grace of Giving. And hear what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. The 1987 movie Wall Street, Gordon Gecko, played quite well by Michael Douglas, unashamedly boast repeatedly throughout the movie, greed is good, greed works. Stark contrast to that particular philosophy of life that is very prevalent in the world in which we live, our God says in His Word, giving is good. Grace is good. As I said a moment ago, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 9 is a single verse, and it's one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible. It's interesting that it's embedded in two chapters that deal with the theme of grace giving. And Clearly, Paul has primarily in mind the giving of our financial resources out of gospel gratitude for what God has done for us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet, I believe he has more in mind than just our financial giving, as verse 5 makes abundantly clear, because there, speaking of the churches in Macedonia, he says, they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. As Paul so often does, he grounds a basic Christian discipline giving in the incarnation, Christmas, and the perfect atoning work of Jesus Christ in his death on the cross, Easter. And you could basically summarize what Paul is getting at in these verses by this. Paul says, listen, when it comes to giving, look to the cross. Reflect upon what God in the Lord Jesus has done for you, and then give. And that's the grace of giving. We give not out of obligation. We give not out of guilt, but we give out of gratitude for what the Lord has done for us. Give of our financial resources? Yes. Give your ministry? Yes. Give your lives? Absolutely. That is what Paul wants us to understand from this very simple but very profound verse. And so this morning, I just want to raise three simple questions and hopefully answer them 
from the biblical text as we consider this December graduation, this Christmas graduation for these students at Southeastern Seminary and the college at Southeastern. Question number one, what do I know? What do I know? Question number two, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Question number three, what do I become in Jesus? I believe these are three questions that each of you graduates need to answer. But I also believe these are three questions that every one of us in this uh, room today need to answer as well. So, question number one, what do I know? Paul is very clear. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, every one of you took a class in hermeneutics. Uh, that's a fancy word for Bible interpretation. So let's just do a little hermeneutics and let's just do a little biblical interpretation and take that phrase and as we can break it down piece by piece to get a better grasp and understanding of it. Paul says, we know, we know. And the idea is not that we know something theoretical, but we know something experiential. Uh, this is something that we know as a deep abiding personal knowledge. It's not we hope, it's not we think, it's we know. We know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. I think the best way to illustrate it is what we know in terms of the love of a mate or the love of children or the love for many of us now grandchildren. I don't think, I don't hope, I don't wish, I know that my wife Charlotte loves me. I know that my four sons love me. I know that my 13 grandchildren, they love G-Daddy. I know that. <laughs> I don't hope it. I don't uh, uh, think it. I know it. It is an abiding experiential knowledge that I have. And Paul says, we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We know the grace. God's unmerited favor. All that God does for us as undeserving sinners to rescue us from the poisonous infection of sin. Some have used the acrostic. I think it works quite well. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. That is what we know. We know God's grace. We know the grace of our of our. Once more, Paul wants us to understand the deeply intimate and the deeply personal nature of this grace that we know. It belongs to us. Even better than that, He belongs to us. He is ours in a personal, intimate, loving, saving relationship. And who is this one that we know in terms of His grace? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Theologians refer to this as his full majestic title, Lord. This tells us that he is God, the sovereign God of the universe. He is Jesus. This emphasizes his humanity and also contained within his very name, Savior. He is the Christ, the promised Old Testament Messiah, the anointed one, the promised one, and we know in personal, experiential, life-changing, eternal experience, the overwhelming grace of our God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me make something very clear this morning. This is something every single person can know. Maybe you're here today, 
and uh, you're not a Christian, let me say, first of all, we're so glad that you came and so honored that you're here today to honor and to recognize someone you dearly love. Maybe it's your son or your daughter. Uh, maybe it's a grandchild. Maybe it's a brother or a sister or, or a friend or a cousin. We're glad you're here. And we want you to know this morning that though you came for this graduation specifically, it is possible for you to leave today knowing in a personal, intimate, saving relationship the Lord Jesus Christ. This is something every man and woman on the planet can know through a faith relationship with Him. That is, by the way, why we go. That is why here at Southeastern Seminary, we refer to ourselves as a Great Commission Seminary because we know that this grace that God has made available through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a grace offer to every single person on planet Earth. So this is what we know. Question number two, what did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? Having told us the source of grace, our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul now moves to explain how that grace came to us. In other words, by what avenue did the grace of Jesus Christ invade this world to rescue captive sinners like you and like me? Well, notice what the text says, for we know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, now, I could spend hours unwrapping that simple phrase. I will not do that. I will just give you the Reader's Digest version. He was rich in what? Rich in position. He is God and the second person of the triune God. He was rich in power. The Bible tells us all authority in heaven and earth belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich in glory in the context of worshiping angels who adore the Son and who love the Son. And of course, He was revealed to us in grace and in truth. That is His glory. He was rich in resources, as Greg Welty read a moment ago. Everything that is, He made it. He made the, the moon and the stars and the planets. He made this earth. And by the way, He made you and He made me. Because He made you and made me and He is an omniscient God, He has a personal, intimate knowledge of every one of us, not just what we say and not just how we act, but also what we think and even every emotion that runs through our hearts. He is indeed rich in resources. Abraham Kuyper, the Prime Minister of the Netherlands and a very well-known public philosopher and theologian said it so well, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, this is mine. I belong to Him, you belong to Him, we all belong to Him. Pastor John Piper puts it like this, and I quote, Jesus Christ is God Almighty, through whom the universe was made and by who upholds all things by His power. He has existed as the glorious, perfect, and happy second person of the Trinity from all eternity. And it was from this infinite height that He performed the unimaginable condescension to be born in a cattle stall and to die on a criminal's cross in order that we might be made rich. Not rich in money, but as verse 2 says, rich in joy, rich in liberality, 
And as verse 8 implies, rich in love. Dr. Piper referred to what theologians call the great condescension. Think about it with me for just a moment. Here is the Son of God in heaven enjoying all of the privileges and all of the blessings of being God in heaven, and yet he loved you and me so much he left heaven and he came to earth. But he didn't stop there. Out of great love for you and me, he came to earth and he became a man, but he did not stop there. Out of great love and concern for you and me, he became a servant, but he didn't stop there. He became a servant who died, and he didn't just die any death. He died the most shameful and humiliating form of death known to the world in his day. He died the death of a cross all the way from the glories of heaven to a cruel Roman cross, and he was rich. He did not have to do it. No one takes my life, he said, but I lay it down willingly. So I don't want you to leave today without a clear understanding that this is how much this great Savior, this great God loves you. He went all the way from the heights of heaven to the depths of humanity and death on a cross that he might purchase you and that he might purchase me. This is what Jesus has done. The Scriptures are clear. Though he was rich for your sakes, on your behalf, in your place, now, again, in what sense did he become poor? He became poor by taking the death of a cruel Roman cross. And never forget, Christmas makes no sense apart from Easter. Christmas makes no sense apart from Easter. In fact, if you want to look at the real Christmas tree, you look at the cross on Calvary, and there you see what Christmas really is all about. That is what Jesus did. So I know, and I see what he does. My final question, what do we become in Jesus? Paul concludes this verse by noting what all of us who have repented of our sin and put our faith in Christ receive. We, through his poverty, through his condescension, we become rich, lavishly, unspeakably wealthy. As one man well said, the king became a pauper. Paupers have become kings. Now, let's be clear. Rich in this verse does not refer to economic prosperity or financial wealth. Just to be very blunt, the heresy, uh, the false teaching of prosperity theology is nowhere in this verse. My good friend Sam Storms, I think, says it quite well. Rich, in what sense have we become wealthy through his poverty? Refuse to tolerate the spiritually sick and perverted claims of the prosperity gospel that would find here a reference to material gain. Our riches and wealth are of the sort that cannot be earned by effort or secured at a sale. They are the gift of a sovereign grace. And so let me just make it very personal for a moment as I move to close. You have come here today to honor these graduates, to honor a particular graduate. But you're here and you would honestly acknowledge, I'm not a Christian. 
Uh, I don't go to church very often. I don't read my Bible. I, I'm not a Christian. If I were to leave today, having turned from my sin and putting my faith and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone, you're telling me that I came in here poor, but I will leave rich, more rich than you could ever imagine. You say, can you be a little more specific? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> you can leave here justified before God, having a right standing before God when you appear before him at judgment. You can leave here today with absolute full and total forgiveness. Every single sin you have ever committed or ever will commit will be washed away by the precious cleansing blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can leave today reconciled with God so that now you no longer fear him, but you flee to him as your father and as your savior. You can have today a certain future that when you die, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Heaven and all of the glories of heaven can be yours forever and ever and ever. The gift of the Holy Spirit, yes. The gift of God's work in your life so that he daily will conform you more and more so that one day eventually... When you stand in his presence, you will be perfectly and completely glorified. You will be just like Jesus. And now until that day, you want to live a life that has real meaning, real purpose. You want to be a part of something so much bigger than yourself. Yes, all of that and even more is possible through Jesus Christ, the baby of Bethlehem. He is really quite a savior. And so let me say this morning, because of his amazing grace, which truly is a sweet sound, we give. Yes, we give our monies and gladly so. But we go more than that. We give our lives. First, we give our lives to the Lord. And then gladly and joyfully, we give our lives to others. And so, graduates of the college at Southeastern and graduates of Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, we will go where others will not go. And you will do what others will not do. You will serve where others will not serve. And you will give what others will not give. Anyone that knows me at all knows that I have a great love and affection for missionaries, and in particular, missionary biographies. Perhaps no missionary has impacted my life more than a man by the name of Jim Elliott, a missionary to the Aka Indians who on January the 8th, 1956, a year before I was born, along with Ed McCulley, Roger Udarian, Pete Fleming, and Nate Saint, all were brutally martyred by the octaves that they had gone to see to share the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. On one occasion, Jim Elliott, in his diary, prayed this prayer, Oh, that God would make us dangerous. 
Oh, that God would make us dangerous. Now, not dangerous in an evil sense, not dangerous in a bad way, but dangerous to who? Satan. Dangerous to who? Sin and hell and the grave and the demons. Dangerous to all that opposes the good things of our God. Now, how in the world, what in the world led him to pray a prayer like that? Maybe we have a hint. In his journal entry dated September the 20th, 1948, there, I think, we may find our answer. He wrote, I am yours, Lord Jesus, at terrible cost to yourself. Now you must become mine. As you did not count the price, neither will I. And because of God's grace, we give our lives to others. And because of God's grace, we go on behalf of our King. Would you pray with me? This morning, if you are again here and you are not a Christian, it is my prayer that to this point in the service, the Lord has been working in your heart and he has been showing you through our singing and through the reading of his word and now through the preaching of his word, he loves you. He loves you so much, he sent his eternally wealthy and rich son into this world to be beaten bloody, treated like a criminal, because he loves you and wants to have a personal relationship with you. And so this morning, if you have never received for the first time in your life the overwhelming, abundant grace of God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to do this morning what a hero of mine, Billy Graham, did for many, many years all around the world when he closed a crusade service. I'm going to lead in what is called a sinner's prayer. Now, let me be very clear. There's nothing magical about this prayer. God is far more concerned with what's going on in your heart. And yet I can say this. If you, as I voice this sinner's prayer, repeat those same words in your heart with genuineness and sincerity to our great God, I can promise you two things. Number one, he will hear your prayer. And number two, he will save you. So if you're here today and you would like to make what I know, I know is the most important decision a person can ever make in all of their lives, then just as I pray now, you voice this prayer in your heart to our great God. Dear God, I thank you so much that you love me. And I thank you that I know that because of what you have done for me through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for the grace that sent him into this world to live a sinless life, to die on the cross and pay in full the penalty of my sin. I thank you that you gloriously raised him from the dead and that your word teaches that he is the Lord, he is the King, he is the Savior. I confess to you today that I am a sinner. 
and I need to be saved. I turn from my sins. I put all of my faith in Jesus and only Jesus to save me. And I thank you so much that your word teaches that whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I am calling on Jesus. Jesus, save me and do it right now. And Heavenly Father, I thank you that anyone praying that prayer in sincerity, you have heard that prayer, you have answered that prayer, and you have saved them. And Lord, we rejoice with the angels in heaven for a new brother, a new sister who is now a part of your family. And so, Lord, when this service ends in just a short while, after we gather to celebrate uh, the graduation of one of these precious men and women, Lord, might it also be that if they have just made this wonderful decision that they would share with that graduate, I want you to know that when Brother Danny prayed that prayer, I prayed it with him. And I know, I can feel it in my heart that God heard my prayer and that he has saved me. Lord, we rejoice in graduation, but we rejoice even more in the salvation of even one soul. And Lord, I thank you that we can pray as we did yesterday for these who are here today and that you listen to the prayers of your children. And so, Lord, thank you so much that indeed at this time of the year we can reflect upon the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty, through his cross, might become rich, rich in eternal salvation. So, Lord, we thank you that you are such a great God we thank you that you're such a fantastic and wonderful master. We love you, and we honor you this day, praying this all in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Consider giving to Southeastern Seminary online or visiting us for a preview day. For information on how to give or sign up for a preview day, visit scbts.edu.